the best formula for content and for figuring this out is to always remember that you need to engage where you sell. Welcome back to The Author Biz. I'm Stephen Campbell, and this is the show where we deliver the information you need to become the CEO of your author business. On today's podcast, we're talking about social media for authors, specifically how you can spend less time using social media for your author business, and of course, still find more readers and sell more books. Today's guest is Chris Syme. She's an expert on the use of social media for authors and has shared her expertise on MSNBC as well as numerous magazines and digital news organizations. She's also an author with a new book that is being released on November 1st. If you're listening on the day this show goes live, that's tomorrow. I love the title of her new book. It's called Sell More Books with Less Social Media. On this episode, you'll learn Chris's favorite social media platforms for promoting and selling books, the critical importance of your Facebook author page, and her four-step strategy for getting more engagement and book sales from the time you invest in social media. You'll find show notes for this episode as well as a complete transcript at theauthorbiz.com where you can also sign up for the show's email list. Well, that's enough from me. Let's get to today's guest. Chris Syme. Okay, I'm happy to be with Chris Syme again today. And Chris is, you know, in the, I don't like to use the term guru, but Chris is my favorite marketing guru because I, I totally connect with the way she teaches author marketing, very common sense approach to marketing that's based more on strategy than tactics and common sense, do the work kind of uh, an approach. So Chris, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show again. Oh, and I'm excited to be here. It's always good to talk to a like-minded guy. And we have a fascinating topic today that ties right in with your with a new book that you've written and that will be coming out on November 1st. Uh, our topic today is how to get more engagement and book sales with less social media, which is pretty much the, you know, pretty close to the title of your book. Yeah, that's right. The book is called Sell More Books with Less Social Media, and I'm excited about the concept because I think it's something authors have been asking for. It's really sort of the the holy grail, I think. I, I, I shouldn't speak for everyone, but so many of us, uh, we spend way, at least we think we spend way more time on social media than we should. I know that I definitely spend way more time on social media than I want to. So I'm excited. I'm excited about this, and I'm excited to uh, to get into this. But before we get started in, into some actual strategies and, and tips, I want to first talk about something that you go into early on in the book that's a problem for a lot of authors that, that I talk to, and it's the concept of the Facebook profile page versus the Facebook author page. Um, there was a school of thought a few years ago that the best thing to do is just have as many friends as you can on your Facebook profile page and use that to market your books. But things have changed over the course of the last few years. Oh, and they changed significantly. As a matter of fact, I spent a good deal of time on a post this morning on Brian Cohen's uh, Facebook group. Um, there was an author that posted on there that he got an email from Amazon um, that, that he had to stop um, – 
having reviews from friends or, or they were going to take his book down, basically. And I think one of the things that some of us kept saying to him in there is Facebook has a policy of not allowing people to promote on their personal profile. I mean, we all cheat on it. I get that. But I think we're starting to see the beginnings of a place where we may have a problem here if authors promote too much on their Facebook profile. And, of course, the answer to that is you really need to have that author page as opposed to your profile. And you can have that, you know, open to the public follow option on so that people can just follow you. But the problem is, is then they can't post, uh, if you've got that, they're just following. And to me, that's only one half of the equation is mm -hmm. the follow. So you really need to have um, a good strategy. And, and I really coach authors to start weaning people away and use that Facebook profile as a redirect to your author page. When I read that in your book, uh, that was something that really sort of resonated with me. I was actually talking with uh, a sort of an internet personality last night who's got hundreds of thousands of followers, and, and she was saying, the only thing I use my, my personal page for is to redirect, redirect people to my business pages, and that is it. And that's – it's like a little bit of a light bulb went off, and then – Later last night, I was reading that section of your book, and, and then the light bulb just started flashing, and it's like, oh, <laughs> I get it now. And so how, how would you suggest that we actually do that? How do we wean people off uh, interacting with us, you know, like uh, readers from interacting with us on the profile page and, and try and move them on to the author page? Well, I think this is this is a little bit like pulling teeth because it's a difficult situation because, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of authors started mm -hmm. on their personal profile, and rather than do a Facebook page, they just open their profile up to the public. And I, I think that it's going to be difficult no matter how you do it. And there's a number of different ways you can do this. I think the best way is to really start weaning people off by redirecting them over there and explaining to them why you want them to go over there. And, and you can do a number of, of strategies to do this. One of, one of the popular ones that I found works really well is to put, put a, together a short-term campaign to actually migrate people over there. Um, you can do things like sending them in, invites. So you can invite anybody that, that's a friend of yours to your business page. Mm -hmm. um, have a contest that uh, and a big promotional contest that's specifically running only on your author page and getting people over there to that page starting that culture of of engaging one of the one of the biggest mistakes steve and i see people making on their facebook author page is they have this dual strategy it's like i'm going to sell on my facebook author page and i'm going to engage on my personal profile and you've got to quit that first of all um, you need to go over and do the engaging on your author page as well. So the, the best formula for content and for figuring this out is to always remember that you need to engage where you sell. Hmm. It's simple. It's, it's really a mantra. I mean, put a sign up in front of your computer and say, I need to engage where I sell. So don't ever break that rule. It's, it's always you're never going to sell at optimum level without engaging at the optimum level in that same location. So, and we'll talk about that a little bit later with primary channels and all that stuff, but the best thing to the best way to get people over there is number 1 start engaging over there, number 2 use a migration strategy, and then number 3 when you feel like you're ready to pull the plug, you need to disable that follow option. 
on your mm. personal profile so that all those people that follow will no longer have access to your personal profile. And then I tell authors, keep posting on that personal profile like a, a couple of weeks or even a month leading up to that point, telling people, I'm going to pull the plug, I'm going to, I want everybody to go over here. And it's, it's really tough because a lot of, of, of authors have author friends. And, but the thing that I, I just want, this is a great place to remind authors. Remember when you're marketing on Facebook, you're not marketing author friends, you're, <laughs> author, you're marketing to readers. <laughs> so it's okay to have author friends on your Facebook profile. You don't need to worry about them missing out on you know promoting your books. But get the people over to the other page. There's going to come that place where you're going to have to pull the plug, and it's going to be painful. And a lot of people aren't going to do it. You know, when you mentioned putting the sign up on your computer, I was thinking about the duality of, of the author life where you've got your creative hat when you're writing and then you've got your marketing and business hat when you're, you're doing marketing and business tasks. And you said put the sign up. And I actually have a sign on the left side of my computer. It's a card, actually, that's all about writing. And it's very specific to grounding the reader in scenes. And I'm thinking, okay, so on the right side of my computer now, I need to have a sign that says engage where you sell. Yeah. There you <laughs> so go. I can look to the left if I'm writing, look to the right if I'm selling. There you go. See, now you'll have all your bases covered. All right. Well, let's, let's get into getting more engagement and more book sales with less social media because that's what we all want. You, you outline, among many other things in this wonderful book that you've written, you outline a four-step process. And unlike what a lot of people might outline – as a four-step process that's use this trick and that trick and then this other trick, and then in three and a half hours, your problems are solved, you actually teach a strategy that takes some work and, and takes some time to, uh, to actually de deliver results, which is, of course, the only way to actually make it work. I, yes, I agree. I'm, I'm a very process-oriented person. Um, I'm an old-school marketer, and so I believe in you know doing things in a formulaic way. I'm, I'm not a big tactics person as a standalone, and, and but I think that you know those four steps are key because if you don't do all four, and if you don't do the work, mm -hmm. then it isn't going to work. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense, but there's a there's a huge problem in, in every sector. It isn't just authors. It's everywhere. I've worked in, in other business sectors. In people wanting to accumulate information but not being able to actually put the information to work. So I think the thing that readers are going to find in this book is I don't give you a pass on actually putting the stuff to work. The whole book is written with the idea that you're serious about what you're doing. You want to find the best way to sell your books without having to spend your whole lifetime every day on social media. So it's, it's very much a process-oriented book with a lot of action steps and a course that goes along with it and other things. Yeah, let me let me jump in here and talk about that for a minute because this course that that is uh, available at, at no cost for people that buy the book has several different uh, sessions and you've got worksheets and things in there. So it's not just read the information in the book, absorb it, and then act on it. It's actually read the information in the book. If you need more information, take this particular session, go through this worksheet, and then get to work. Right. And, you know, I stole this idea from Pat Flynn, and, and he did this with Will It Fly. Mm -hmm. It's a great book. Um, and I realized when I went through his course while I was reading the book that what the course does is it, it takes you into depth 
like a book cannot. For instance, in, in my online course, there's a there's something to do in every chapter there to dig in a little bit deeper. And, and there are a lot of videos in there because mm-hmm. a lot of what we need to do is visual. You need to walk people through screenshots and other things like that. And you can't really do that very well in a book. And so I think the easiest way for people to learn the material is to do what you just said, read a chapter, do the work in the course, read the chapter, do the work in the course. And I think I'm going to use this model for every book I write from now on, as long as online courses are available, because it's a great way for people to learn the material faster. And for someone like me, who uh, I I read a lot of nonfiction educational type books, and there are always these like little charts and diagrams in there. And I, I prefer to read on a Kindle and you just can't see the darn things. So being able to go to a to to a course and actually see what what you're supposed to be seeing and then get the worksheet that's in a readable form and be able to work on it is is a blessing. So I thank right. you for doing right. this and I thank Pat Flynn for giving you the idea. And stealing ideas from Pat Flynn is always a good plan. Oh, I agree. <laughs> and and the course the link to the course is in the book. So it's and it's free. It's not an extra add-on you have to buy or anything. It's just there. Yeah, so it, it is a great uh, value add for the book. So let, let's start walking through the steps. This first step, which is essentially finding and building your audience, it, that doesn't sound easy. No, and you know what, Stephen? This is the one thing that people skip. <laughs> <laughs> That's like skipping building the foundation on your house. I'm going to start with the walls. Yeah, right. Build your house on the sand, why don't you? Yeah, that, that. No, it's it's number it's first because it is the first step in the process, but also it's the most important step. I'm amazed at the number of authors that don't know anything about their followers. They know what genre they write in, but that's it. And so I think this the chapter on finding building your audience is two pronged. There, it's find them first, and I, and it goes into detail about um how to do audience research and that kind of thing, and then it goes into actually the building of the audience as well. And there's there's three strategies for building your audience in this book that I think people really need to understand. There's discovery strategies, there's content strategies, and then there's growth strategies, because those are the three things you do with your audience. You need to be discoverable. You need to have content strategies that then grow your audience and build that loyalty. So this is a key principle in this whole system. Well, let's let's dig into some of the market research aspects of this, because you, you, you give us a lot of different ways uh, that, that really aren't that hard to just sort of figure out. If you're a genre writer, like, for example, if you write uh, romance, there are specific places that you can go to find information about the average, not necessarily your reader, but the average romance reader. Right. And you bring up a really good point. You really need two sets of data. You need to understand the global data, which is like if you're a romance writer and if you happen to be a member of, of Romance Writers of America, they provide that data to you. But there's there's a lot of global data out there that my biggest go-to, of course, is Pew Internet because they have all the online data that you need about demographics. Um, they help you hone in on places where your readers might be. Um, the other 
thing that I think is most important then and becomes is your own research. For instance, Facebook Insights, huge amount of data there. If you're if you're a Twitter user, if you're if you're a Pinterest user, all of those uh, platforms have data. If you have a website, Google Analytics is another source of good data. But the really dig in deep, if you've got a decent email list and that might be 100 people, send out a little um, survey to your readers. And in the book, there's a that I talk about what you should ask for. And in the class, there's actually a sample survey that you can send out to your own readers to gather your own audience information. And once you really hone in on that, then you can start that process of finding the intersection um, in content between what your audience wants and what you want, where to be, all that kind of stuff. You, you threw out an interesting number when you mentioned email lists, and I, I want to take a big step back because I'm assuming that everyone, everyone listening to this show has an understanding of what an author platform is, and you know we know it involves a website, we know it involves an email list, and we know it involves some social media platforms. Uh, for some people, it involves many. For, uh, for, for your clients, it, it involves you know, fewer, and we can get into some of that. But uh, we're assuming that everyone understands all this. But you threw out a number of 100 for an email list. There are, there are a lot of people out there that may have an email list in the hundreds, between 100 and, and 200, and they, they think, I couldn't, I couldn't get any useful information from my readers. I'm not going to do it because I don't have 1,000 or 10,000 or 20,000 like the people who are in my Facebook group have. Well, it's actually tougher to get better information from 20,000 people than it is from 100. I know that sounds, ant, ant, it doesn't sound right, but if you've got 100 people, then you're a plat, you're what we call in the book a level one, you have a level one platform. And in the book, we go into the different levels. I put together a focus group of indie authors a couple of years ago, and we came up with this structure for platform levels. And I've heard Chris Fox discuss this same concept, and he talks about book ranks mm-hmm. um, in defining your levels. And, and what we need to do is we need to understand that no matter what level we're at, we always have a group of core fans. And if you're a level one author with 100 email uh, addresses, they're probably your core fans, and that's all you need. I mean, 100, 100 uh, responses to a survey is a pretty good sample. Uh, it, and I think that it goes with this idea that sometimes we misunderstand, that we want to sell as many books as we possibly can, and so we think that our audience is this big, wide group. So maybe it's the whole world. Maybe you think your book is for everybody, mm-hmm. but, but it's not. <laughs> so I think it's this idea of focus. In this chapter, we really talk about focus. And if you've got a platform and you have only 100 or 200 email lists, you've got to, st- you've got to start there. That's a good start. There's a lot of ways to grow your email list. And in the book, we go. We, there's a whole chapter on email marketing. And, and in, the cl- in the course, there's a lot more than that. But this idea that you've got to start somewhere, it, it, having an email list is critical. It is. It's not critical to have an email list of 20,000 people unless you're a best-selling writer, because those are the ones that are going to have those size of email lists anyway. I mean, I've got a mid-list client that has an email list of 15,000 people, and we're constantly struggling with getting engagement because hmm. it's she's a mid-list author, so she's not really at the place yet where those 15,000 people are going to be responsive. So we're using warm-up sequences and all this stuff. But she got all these uh, email addresses through these mega author platform parties that you've been hearing about, you Mm -hmm. know, where you get 20 authors together and they each give away a book and then you get this 
email list of 5,000 people at the end of the ordeal. So right. You can build a list very, very quickly then. Oh, but you bet it, you it, can. I am, I'm really curious uh, what the value of those lists, lists are. Uh, what, what's been your experience? Well, we found out right away at the beginning that um, with one particular party uh, that we waited too long to get back to the people. When we sent out our first email, we got a really high complaint rate and mm. got, a, got a little email from Aweber. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, the, this is where if you're going to do these kinds of party kind of things and get these big, huge email lists, the one thing that you have to have in place is a, is a welcome sequence, follow-up sequence, autoresponder, whatever you want to call it. you got to get these people warmed up as quickly as possible. Otherwise, you're going to lose them. Because the people that are grabbing these free books off of these author networking parties are attending several parties a month. Mm-hmm. And you're going, going to only be one author in a sea of maybe 10, 20, 30 authors a month that they're getting free books from. You need to make sure that you warm them up in a way that creates engagement. And the, and the course, especially with the book, goes into detail on how you can do that. Excellent. All right. Well, let's move on to the second step, which is choosing your primary channel. And let's define what a channel is. Well, a channel would be a social media platform like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, anything like that. That's a channel. So Mm -hmm. for purposes of everything in the book, um, a channel is a social media platform. And here we're going to go back to that mantra we just talked about. Primary channels, engage where you sell. So a, pri- a primary <laughs> so channel. So not Snapchat, I bet. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. The idea of a primary channel is the, the uh, earmark of one is this is where you engage. It's not where you just are. It's where you actually have conversations with people that lead to loyalty that creates book sales. So when we're looking at, at primary channels, we need to have a list of criteria that you look for, and they're listed in the book. There's five of them. I call them measures. And when you're when it comes to choosing that one or maybe two, Stephen, if you're there's some exceptions to that rule. If you're writing in a certain genre like YA or children's books, there might be. Uh, I think there's some exceptions there, but for the most part, everybody only needs to be in one place, and you have to choose that primary channel to engage based on it whether it's the best fit for your reader demographics. Uh, number two. What channels has has the best overall numbers in those demographics? Number three, what's the who has the best commerce tools or what I call buying culture? And I think it's easiest to give you an example of Instagram. I don't like Instagram because you can't have live links in the comments, and this is just a deal breaker for me. Um, it's it's a it's problematic to me for uh, people that don't have visual. Uh, retail to sell, like clothing or shoes or something like that. So I'm not a big fan of Instagram as a primary channel, but that gives, because they don't have, the only way that you can sell anything on Instagram is if you run ads there. Um, number four, they have to be a good match for your genre. And you need to really think about that. And number five, the channel has to be strong in discoverability and conversion. Now, those are probably two marketing uh things we should probably define those terms. Discoverability is how good are they at bringing in new readers? How easy can they search you? How easy can they find you? And on the other end of that, conversion is a sale. Um, How easy is it for people to buy directly from that channel? In general, um, is, is there a favorite platform for your clients? 
Yes, Facebook is is a Facebook. It's hard to to just not tell people you need to be on <laughs> Facebook, but I, I think in by laying out the criteria for how you measure for a primary channel, Facebook is always going to come out on top. I mean, there's nobody that has the numbers they have, and even active members, they've got over seventy percent of online users are there. There's no channel that comes anywhere near that. I think the next closest one is in the 30s. And and they've just got the best overall demographics. They have by far the best discoverability because their search function is akin to Google. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, on Snapchat, for instance. On Snapchat, you have to know somebody's username in order to find them. It's it's a difficult channel for discoverability. And and also Facebook has a number of apps and they're getting more all the time that are allowing people to sell and gather emails directly from Facebook without people ever having to leave. And and so, you know, they're they're strong there too as well. So um, I recommend that everybody have a Facebook page as a primary channel. Now, if you've got an exception, then you want, might want to look at something else to uh, to engage if you've got the time. But you just ha- you have to have the time. I mean, engaging right. is time consuming. Setting up an outpost is is takes time as well, but it's not nearly as as time consuming as being present to engage. All right. Well, let's let's well before we get to outposts, let's talk about. Uh, that person out there that's listening that's saying, but wait a minute, my my author friend just told me that she went on to this new social media platform and she got a thousand followers in three days and it's awesome and I have to be there. Well, I don't have any problem with that. I just think that people need to understand the time commitment that's involved in everything. I mean, mm-hmm. the the idea that I have one client that is so social media savvy, she can, pro- she can engage on three three channels. So I I think there is one overriding thing that you and I have been kind of dancing around here, but I know we both agree on, and that is the purpose of a writer is to write. (laughs) And if if you're at that place where you're just tired of having, you know, having to deal with the marketing, then you need to understand that being on a whole bunch of social media channels besides Facebook, is not going to increase your long-term sales that much that you couldn't just give them up. Does that make any sense? It makes total sense. And, and based on the numbers that we've both seen for, uh, that people are generating from uh, places like Twitter and Snapchat and, and things from that, it just, as you said, you know, most people are on on Facebook. Most of that type of engagement is happening on Facebook. There are some some genres where it might make sense to be engaging at a high level on on some other platforms, but for a lot of us, the simple answer is Facebook. Well, here here's a number. Here's a great number. So, internet users, on the average, spend twenty eight percent of their time on social media. Doesn't sound like a whole lot, but you know when you consider everything else you do online, I'm I'm sure it's it's plenty. <laughs> it's plenty. Of that twenty eight percent, twenty two percent of that is spent on Facebook. The other six percent is is scattered out on all the other platforms. Hmm. Facebook's main goal 
is to increase the amount of time that people spend there. So their main interest is to put together more tools and more opportunities so that you never have to leave, basically. <laughs> and, and, and it's working. That's good news for people that are trying to sell stuff there. Because over time, Facebook is just going to keep adding more and more commerce options so that people don't have to go anywhere to do anything. They can stay right there. Okay. So uh, in, in step two, we've chosen our primary channel. Step three, we're going to choose uh, what you, you, you started talking about it earlier, outposts. So let's first define what an out, outpost is and, and then how do we do that in such a way that it doesn't suck up too much time? Well, I, I think that I probably did a disservice to the idea of outposts by saying you can just forget the rest. I, that, that I need to correct right away. An outpost channel is a place where you have a presence, but you're not engaging. So there's two basic strategies for an outpost channel. Number one is for discovery because, hey, I'm on Twitter. Um, I, I, somebody said something about this author. I'm going to go check that out. I'm going to search Twitter and see if they're here. Mm -hmm. You want to have a presence there so that you can do the second strategy, which is redirect people back to that place where you're engaging. And for a lot of authors, they, their priorities might be different at different times. For instance, my my redirect strategy on Twitter, for instance, might be to send them to sign up for my email list because I'm running a short-term uh, campaign to increase my email list before I, sell, before I release a new book. So your outpost is a place where you maintain a presence, but it also reflects your current needs or your current campaigns or whatever's going on that's most important. So I'm going to use that cover photo on Twitter or set up a board on Pinterest or be posting on Google Plus or wherever you are, wherever your cover photos and stuff are, of whatever's going on. When you launch a new book, you change your cover photo. When you, when you um, are building an email list on your on all your other channels. You change that cover photo, and you do a pinned post or a pinned tweet or or whatever. It's not a place where you're necessarily going to talk back to people. Although I've heard people like well, Chris Fox, we mentioned him earlier. He if he gets at, at tagged on Twitter, you know, if somebody tags him on Twitter, he has a notification set up and, and he'll answer questions there, but he's mm -hmm. not posting there. And so I, th I think that's, that's whenever you post anywhere on social media, the ultimate goal is to engage, right? It's to get them to talk back or take an action. Well, we're not going to do that on our outpost channels necessarily because that's where the time commitment comes. It's just as effective. As a matter of fact, probably more effective. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say that. To redirect people to places where you're already engaging. That way, you can build a relationship with them. You can engage while you sell. And I think <laughs> that's, that's important for people to remember is that, and I hate to keep bashing Twitter, but I have been bashing Twitter ever since February of this year when they put out an algorithm. I've talked to people whose engagement rates are so plummeting on Twitter, they're just going to give up. And I said, well, don't, not, don't give up completely. Make sure that you set up an outpost there. Pin a tweet every time you change your cover photo. Let people know where they can find you. And, and I'm, I'll just tell you, this is the one thing I hear from people. Well, aren't people going to resent that because you're not there and think that you're lazy or don't care or whatever because you're not engaging everywhere? And I don't think so. I think the people that want to find you are going to find you wherever you are. And I don't think somebody's going to come to your Twitter profile and say, oh, 
well, they don't tweet. I'm not going to go find them on Facebook. <laughs> I, I think that we need to understand that if somebody's looking for you, they're going to look for you till they find you or till it becomes too difficult. So make it as user-friendly as you can to redirect people from outposts either to your email list, to your Facebook page, to a Facebook group, wherever you're engaging. Um, send them there. That's basically what an outpost is. How many uh, outposts should we have? Well, I think that depends on how much time you want to spend maintaining them because you do have to maintain them. And when you're doing that research or you're asking those questions about, um, you know, what's the best fit for my demographics, what are the best overall numbers, best commerce tools, maybe that author friend of yours that told you they just got a 1,000 people on that other channel, <laughs> you know, make a list of probably a half dozen maybe of uh, the top ones. For a lot of authors, that will be places where you already are, but you want to pull back that presence into an outpost strategy um, rather than go out on any new ones. Make sure that includes your author central, Amazon author page, uh, Goodreads, and all that stuff. But the important thing I think that people need to understand about outposts is they are not set it and forget it. You still have to check in and you still have to change out your cover photos, pin tweets, all that other stuff from time to time. Okay. That's, uh, that's terrific advice. Now let's move on to step four, which is, you know, we've got step one is the hard step, and then step four is kind of a hard step as well, creating the right content for your audience. And I guess even figuring out what that right content is. Well, I agree with you. Those steps are kind of like a sandwich. You've got, <laughs> you've, got the, you've got the two really difficult ones at one and four, and then in the middle it's kind of like, ah, well, okay. Um, step four is key. Um, because you can't do one, two, and three and then not remodel your content strategy. Because unless you already have uh, a, a really good content strategy and you're doing the right things, then, then you don't have to worry about it. But this is sort of a reiteration of, some, of, a, of uh, my first book, the Smart Social Media for Authors, is the idea that you need to have content that is actually more like copywriting. And uh, there needs to be a number of things that you want to look at. And I know that uh, the first one that you and I probably want to talk about is that uh, 80-20 rule that mm -hmm. I like to talk about. And that is the idea that content cannot be overly promotive. Um, data just tells us that you can't just sell. Uh, it turns people off. If there's nothing of value that you're giving them, they're not going to reciprocate and give you anything else. So I like to use the 80-20 uh, formula. That means that 80% of your content is going to give value to your fans and 20% of your content is going to be about selling. And when you find that intersection, which you should do between what you like to talk about, what your fans want to hear, um, that 20% that you sell, they're going to give you a pass on selling. As a matter of fact, they're going to expect you to sell. They're going to wonder why you're not selling <laughs> if you never sell at all because you're giving so much value away in terms of content, stuff that makes them happy, entertains them, fills them with compassion, whatever. Uh, that's Those are the kinds of posts that build up the loyalty that when it comes time to sell, you should actually not feel salesy or sleazy or anything if you honor that rule. Now, when you talk about or, or when we talk about content, I, I can Im imagine listeners out there thinking to themselves, content equals writing blog posts and, and, and just creating this stuff that's 
It's just difficult and time-consuming to do. But that's not necessarily what you're talking about. Maybe it's a little bit of that, but a lot of it is easy things. It, but it's, it's selecting the right way to be useful. Well, I think that's a great point, selecting the right way to be useful. I think one thing that authors don't realize is because a lot of us don't like to talk about ourselves, is that the most interesting things to our fans are in that intersection between um, what I like and what they like. And there, there's a lot of same things in there. You know, and I go through a, a I, I uh, talk a little bit about the content bucket system, which is something that I introduced in my last book. This idea of defining those buckets where you can easily find content that you can pull out at any time. And, and, you know, all of us spend a lot of time online. All 28% of our internet time is spent on social media. But you can be collecting this stuff that you find all the time at places like BuzzFeed and, and you know, those kinds of places have great links to articles that are that everybody likes and i and i think that w- once you find that intersection between what you like and what your fans like i think you're going to find the contents a lot easier to write you just have to get over yourself get over the idea you want to sell people books but if you want to sell people books you have to let them in a little bit you have to you know you have to be like the wizard of oz you got to pull back that curtain and you don't want to be saying don't pay any attention to that man in the booth back there <laughs> you know i mean you got to let people in a little bit mm-hmm. and this is really hard for a lot of people to do but it, you can do it to the extent that it makes you feel comfortable can you give an example from uh, maybe one of your clients, and I'm not asking you to identify or to, to give any information away that's going to identify who the client might be, but but just some ways where they're able to find that intersection and then to really make use of it. Well, in the content bucket system, we talk about identifying um, subjects that you look – first of all, you need to find out what your fans like, and I go through that process a little bit in the book about, about really understanding content that they like. And you can do this by research on other like authors that are like you and take a look at their Facebook pages, see what works. See what works on your Facebook page by going into insights and looking at your top posts, things that you like. And then I tell authors, you know, I've got – for instance, I'm looking – right now, one of my authors that I help with content, I'm looking at her content bucket system, and her buckets are, she she lives in Montana, so that's one of the buckets. She She's a foodie. She loves to read, so she talks about other books. She likes pets. Uh, she, she likes holidays, and she also likes some quirky news, which are the weird things that you, you know, see in the news sometimes that kind of amaze people. And so those are her buckets. And she's always looking for stuff when she's out mm. that she can post online. And, and so last year at Halloween, um, I ran across a, a post on why well, it was Buzzfeed or somewhere. I'm always running across these posts. It was a poll on What's the favorite Halloween candy in your state? And it listed every state and every candy. And I looked at that and I looked at some of those states and I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> I couldn't believe they're so weird. And that is so awesome, I, though. That's a I, great, that's a great she, post. She posted that and then, and then told what her state's candy was and whether or not she liked it or not. And then asked people, what do you think? And that was the most popular post she had all year. That's amazing. That, great examples. It, Thank you for sharing those. Well, everybody wants to speak their mind about their state, you know. So and, and their candy and their favorite yes. candy and cookies and things like that. I'm yep. all about the cookies myself. Yeah, there you go. 
Okay. Well, so those are the four steps. So we, we've come up with ways where you can, once you build this process, you can get a lot more engagement by spending a lot less time on social media and using that engagement to sell more books. And what we would like you to do now is to jump out and buy Chris's book, which is called Sell More Books with Less Social Media. If you're listening on the day the show comes out, which is October 31st, the book is being offered at a very special price. We're not going to give you the price, but it is a very special price. And again, it includes the free course. I think you've got like two or three days to get the special price. And even when the price goes up to the normal price, it's still going to be a great value. This is just the kind of book that as an author, you should have in your author library. Well, thanks. So Chris, Chris, where can we buy the book? Well, the book's available on Amazon, Kobo, and Nook. Um, iBooks and I don't get along, so I don't, I don't put my books on iBooks. They don't like my books because they have too many links. And rather than go and take out all the links just for them, I never put my books there. So, and, and I'm sorry, but that's just what it is. <laughs> but grab it on Amazon, Kobo, or Nook, and it's there. And again, the link to the course is in the book. And you and I were talking before we came on the air about what I think is a fascinating new project that you're involved in, and it's something that I think uh, our author listeners are are going to be interested in, maybe for themselves, maybe for some of the, the people that are helping them with some things. Can you talk for a minute about that? Oh, I'd be glad to, because this is a course that I've been working on for a year. I, I it's this, The course is um, for author assistance. It's called uh, Mastering Book Marketing for author assistance. And it's also good for authors, but it's it's a little bit of a collaboration project with a gal that owns an author assistant company. And, and what we're doing is we're putting together a comprehensive course that specifically speaks to marketing because all the authors that I talk to say, you know, I want an assistant, but I want them to do more than just manage a newsletter or whatever. They they I need them to understand marketing. So we put this course together kind of in response to what authors were asking me to do and it's comprehensive it covers everything from from everything that's in the book really which is pretty comprehensive on how author assistants can do everything from um, evaluate the platform level of your author to how to do facebook ads to how to put together email marketing strategies it's it's very comprehensive but yet i think for some authors it'd be good too because then you can understand what exactly it is that you need your author assistants to be doing but that'll be coming out here pretty soon um we have a an early bird special on that that um i can let your listeners in on too and and i'll send you the link for that okay we so we will link that up in the uh in the show notes chris it is always a pleasure to chat with you i i just again i'll say it i love the common sense approach that you bring to author marketing and uh keep up the great work well, thanks so much. I always, I never uh, overlook an opportunity to send my people your way too. I think your podcast is great. And thanks for having me. Thank you. And thanks everybody for listening. And remember, you can find show notes and links to everything we talked about today, including Chris's book, which if you get it on the first couple of days, you'll get a really great price on at theauthorbiz.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>